Super Talk Mississippi media production. In Mississippi, with our ever-changing weather, termites and household pests can disrupt your family life and take a toll on your home. Call Family Termite and let us help protect your home. 601-933-1014. Or reach us at www.family-termite.com. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. All right, now. If you got snow, congratulations. If you don't, Congratulations. We can go both ways today. How about that? I am happy to be here in studio at the moment, and right afterwards I'll be heading to Wesson to Buds and Blooms, be speaking there at 1 o'clock this afternoon. You know, what a cool nursery and such a good, good time. I'm going to be talking about houseplants, and they have a brand-new shipment in of all the plants that you want. Let's face it, today's a great day to talk about indoor gardening, and I will be there doing that. Right now, though... I'm all yours. 888 is the Super Talk call line. That is always open to you, as is the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. So much going on in the garden world right now. It's one of those times in the Deep South when you can go to the garden center and see cabbage plants right next to tomatoes. It's kind of an odd choice, but there you have it. We've, we're towards the end of one thing and the beginning of the next. But um, I have a question for you today, and I'm, I'm hoping you'll want to answer it, but maybe I'm, maybe I'm on the wrong track. I am fascinated by these cosmic flashes that we are recently seeing and recording um, good old-fashioned fast radio bursts coming from one particular place. Now, they can take very precise measurements of these things. Radio telescopes reveal that the bursts are made among old stars, and really these are in a way that nobody was expecting. So the source of the flashes in, believe it or not, the nearby spiral galaxy M81 is the closest of its kind to Earth. So that's really interesting in and of itself. But here we go. Each flash only lasts thousandths of a second, but each one of them, and there are many, or we wouldn't have been able to pick them up, you know, there are many. Each one of them is as much, sends out as much energy as our sun does in a day. Each one of these just bursts, bursts, okay? So what, why am I interested in this? Well, Radio waves have always interested me for obvious reasons, but Ursa the bear, Ursa Major, the great bear, is where these things are coming from. They are, we're trying to make the repeating burst source, you know, trying to identify it since January 2020, and now there's enough to understand now because they have come from there for so long that we're getting better and better about what they're about. So using a whole lot of radio telescopes together, they were able to pinpoint the source's location, and they did. So, I want to know from you, what was the first constellation that anybody pointed out in the sky for you? For me, Ursa Major, the big bear, was right after Orion, and Orion is still my signal. I still That's the first constellation I saw, and it's still the first one that I look for. 
But what did you see? Cassiopeia? Hmm? Ursa Major and Minor? Maybe the North Star. All these things are related, and I hope that you have some interested uh, – you've been interested in this as long as I have. It's something to uh, – Something to contemplate. <laughs> Hello, Greg. Um, Greg is uh, it's snowing <laughs> in Nettleton. <laughs> Nettleton had snow last night. Congratulations, y'all. Is it still snowing? Tell us if it is. So, what is your favorite constellation? What uh, what do you what do you look up to see? Big Dipper. Yep, that's a good choice. Coming in on the text line from Ken um, and the Little Dipper, and that that's uh, those are the if you were if you were young enough that the skies were still dark, or if you still live where the skies are still dark, those were probably the, the first that you saw. I was I was in town so Orion's a little brighter. But it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to, to go stargazing. I, I encourage it. Well, as one who reports to you all the time about the state of coral reefs. I want to let you know that um, we are now gaining the benefits of some of that. And they have, in fact, been warming for at least 100 years. But that's not all the news. Um, this new analysis of, of 150 years, they did this from North Carolina University, UNC up there in the greater Caribbean. What a great project to write, huh? We have to go and study in the greater Caribbean. I'm sorry, we, we have work to do. <laughs> well, they did. <laughs> so anyway, they studied the records. And in addition to heating the atmosphere, climate change has, in fact, disrupted the world's ocean ecosystems. We know that. What we've been looking at, of course, in the Caribbean in particular, are things about coastal mortality, coral bleaching, coral mortality, and also the loss of the fish that are dependent on that coastal reef for their food sources. So they've worked on this, but what the biggest deal is, it's been going on and it continues to go on in that part of the world. Now, um, the, the, the increase in the amount and the length of the reef-disrupting heating events have really happened, you know, in, in the last 20 to 30 years at a higher rate than they expected. But the good news is that a 22-month study, about the same length of time as this other one, has actually shown us that the coral in Hawaii are rebounding. They're showing some resilience that we didn't expect. So that's very exciting. If we can understand more about how they have managed to survive warmer, more acidic conditions, perhaps we will be able to do some things for the other corals as well. None of them completely died off, and some of them were actually thriving by the end of the study. So they did have to, they did have to watch because up to half of the species died. And anytime that happens, the scientists, you know, can either dig in or they can throw up their hands. Either way, in this case, they dug in and started looking at the adjustments in coral biology that takes a while. The stressors are are real, and the coral has begun to pull itself back out of that. So the question, of course, is how did they do that, and where does the arc go afterwards? Um, I'm reminded of the splits that we find in shrub trunks and sometimes even tree trunks. After a, a frozen year, the flowers look beautiful, the plant looks great, and then all of a sudden part of it or all of it dies. And when you go to the base of it, you find out that the problem actually started a long time before. So I'm in hopes that we will be able to see how these managed to stay. They studied all three of the most common 
Hawaiian coral, so it's not like they were just, you know, dipping in and dipping out. But that's very exciting. Um, Fish and Fisheries, meanwhile, is reporting to us that... uh, what you what you hear everybody say it it possibly is true. Fishing ain't what it used to be. You know, people talk like that all the time. And in fact, it is up there with the one that got away in terms of fisher stories, which oftentimes, let's face it, you might have been fishing, or you might just have brought the story home. We'll we'll just have to leave that for another discussion another day. But. Recreational fisheries have always been considered, or not always, but mostly considered self-regulating because obviously if you overfish it, it's, you're not going to have anything to fish. So you have to stock it again, and the, the circle that goes in that, the, the, the literal circle of life, tells us that unfortunately it can be very difficult for the, the environment there to adapt to change, but also for the people to adapt to the changes that are made. So what they've been working on, data from Wisconsin, the Western Pacific, British Columbia, all over the place, they considered three kinds of social change and worked on the importance of the catch to the satisfaction of the person that's actually going to do the fishing. And what they found out is kind of interesting. They actually need to be more aware that there are costs involved in going fishing that people are sometimes willing to bear and sometimes not, and that that is actually a social part of it that not everybody thinks about. For example, if you're going to go fly fishing in the north in, in the west, that's a big travel cost. There's a long way to go to get there. Okay, um, I'm reminded of my mother. One of my mother's when when you have family that came through a very very difficult economic time, such as the Great Depression, in our country, people found things to do. The the excitement of board games and card games and all those things for entertainment were a big deal. My mother, always a coffee drinker, um, had coffee cans in the backyard, and they they tied flies because that's what they liked to do, she and my dad. And my mother became the neighborhood champion at fly casting into coffee cans (laughs) as a result of sitting on the back porch trying to find something to do in the evening. Okay, So there are a lot of things that please the angler, that please the fisher person, that, that might or might not make any sense to anybody else. But the cost of going fishing, the effectiveness of the, the materials and tools that you're using, but also what you're catching are the three social concerns that are of most importance. So if you're working on a sustainable fisheries environment, and you probably are, give yourself uh, give yourself the opportunity to think about those things. You would probably be very happy about that. Let's see now. Um, Ken says that in uh, Boy Scouts, they looked at the stars laying on their back and that he always thought you had to have an imagination to, to see that. Duh. Of course you do. You ever looked at clouds? There's really not a hippopotamus up there, but it might look like it. Or a unicorn either, but it might look like it. Or your mother's face, but it might be there, you know. But, yeah, those are things that uh, he, he liked the canoeing and the fishing better. So in my case, I didn't – I love the canoeing, but I have always found fishing to be not my thing. I'm, I'm not I'm not good. I'm not – my patience is not good. Oh, yeah, goodness gracious. Lots of snow up yonder. Yep, 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 yep. That's love. I love that. Um, let's see. <laughs> 
Oh, my goodness. Favorite constellation from Mike and Big Mike in Madison. Seven Sisters, the Pleiades. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Um, the first one that was pointed out was Ursa Major and the Pointer Stars. Yes, that's right. There's a radio wave researcher somewhere in the Andromeda Galaxy trying to decipher past the Garden Mama Show radio signals, even as you speak. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. From the very beginning of radio. Oh, yes. And believe you me, it is a... It's not an onus to me, but I understand that if you realize that every word you say is continuing, <laughs> then you might be a little more cautious about the things that you say in some cases. Um, let's see. John says Tallahatchie County has 3.5 inches of snow this morning. And um, Greg and Nettleton's wondering if the uh, the snow is good for the ground and the grass. Yes, it actually is. It it helps in most cases for not now. Obviously, if you your grass is growing to the point where you have to be mowing it, and then all of a sudden, in June, there comes two inches of snow. It might be a bit of a setback. But the cold weather and the 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 snow, even some ice, is actually a very good barrier for the grass itself the harder thing in the winter is cold weather and high wind that so in other words temperatures around 30 degrees are not going to hurt your lawn but if the wind blows for five days in a row so that the wind chill is colder than that it could damage the lawn yeah sure it could possibly but if it's got a snow a snow blanket on top of it that's not going to happen so it's the same thing as we always hear about the links that people go to the farmers in Florida, for example, to protect strawberries. They turn on the sprinklers so that a fine layer of water gets on all of the fruit and the flowers and the whatnot, and that freezes rather than the material underneath. So it freezes and then it thaws and then you still have strawberries. Um, I was looking at my blueberry flowers this morning and you know, they're 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 blooming, so we just have to see what happens. But I'm I have a I have a very protected garden. It's in the middle of the urbanity. <laughs> it's in the middle of the city, and it does have trees all around. So although my area has a lot of sun, the area around it is not all that windy. So that's interesting enough. Um, thank you, Ken. You always go one too far. I can't say that one. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. I'm really looking forward to going to Buds and Blooms today. They are, they have Sansevieria Island. You know my, my all of my favorite mother-in-law's tongues or snake plants, and I am collecting those. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing those down there today. I hope y'all will come. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a good time. Always have a good time there, but going to have a really good time there today. And I do like seeing their Sansevieria Island. They have several varieties and things. But if you're into calatheas or you're into any of the really classic houseplants, this is going to be the place to be. I thought about this. Uh, I actually thought about John's wife. Um, John collects everything that he picks up. And he's ta- I'm talking about you as if you were not here, John. Uh, but I know you're listening. Oh, that's just beautiful, though. Look at all that ice and snow. That's gorgeous. Pretty, pretty, pretty. It won't be there but a minute, but it's pretty. And um, I, I think about what do you do with all of that? What do you do with fossils and arrowheads? And, and, and you're a walker and you're a collector. Well, turns out the tradition is not new. Mm-hmm. 
Tel Aviv University is letting us know about a study that they have done examining flint tools from just one of the layers at a 500,000-year-old prehistoric site of Revadim um, down in the coastal plain of Israel, which is one of the places where there's so many layers of, of history that they, they, they are really um, – they're always looking for why somebody did something and how things happened. And in this particular case, why is the question – why – did prehistoric humans gather up other prehistoric humans from pre-pre-prehistoric humans? Why'd they gather up and recycle the flint tools that had already been made and used and later discarded? Because we collect things. Humanity has uh, humanity has a lot of habits, and one of them is we collect things. Now, doesn't say this in the article. I'm going to tell you. If you collect it and don't know where it is, it's hoarding. If you collect it and never use it, it's archiving. But you got to know where it is. That's the big difference. And yet you have to still be able to walk through your house or your garage or your, I don't know, I hear about all these people that have a shed for all of the stuff they've collected. As long as you can walk through there and you can find the stuff when you're looking for it, it's a collection. After that, they start calling people to help you. (laughs) (laughs) That just is the way that goes. Let's see now. We're about to pop out of here for a quick break, and we're going to ask our caller to hold on for just a couple of moments because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to plant suggestions. Why did they do it? Why do they collect things? Well, some things ended up being valuable to other folks, but sometimes we just collected them. All right, now, I don't know where you were, but the wind's sure blowing where I am. A little bit of Ann Morrison this morning, an oldie goldie. Something to think about. This is Weekend Gardening. Please never use gas appliances for purposes which they are not intended. A gas oven should never be used for heating purposes and never store flammable materials inside propane cylinders. The Mississippi Propane Gas Association takes pride in protecting your home or business. We ensure that our products are delivered in compliance with the highest industry safety standards. Plus, we offer free gas checks for our customers. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. Your business may be classified as small to mid-size, but you view it as an empire and naturally want it to succeed. Do you have the proper tools in place to efficiently utilize the staff who handles administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits? Without changing current processes and proper training, payroll technology alone cannot solve these problems. By utilizing the iSolve platform, MWG Employer Services can create new processes and properly train your staff to maximize the efficiency of this technology. For more information, visit MWGEmployerServices.com. 
tax refund? Spend it on something you really need. A set of Kenda tires from Gateway Tire and Service Center. With each and every Gateway Tire purchase comes free flat repairs, free rotations, free road hazard, and free tire balancing. Plus, with four locations near you, we'll make sure you and your new Kenda tires are back on the road fast. If you need mechanical repairs, visit your Jackson or Yazoo City Gateway Tire for brake work, AC tune-up, suspension service, and so much more. See complete details online at gatewaytire.com. That's gatewaytire.com. The best made-to-order lunch is right around the corner at 4th and Gold Sports Cafe. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. At Batteries Plus, we do more than fix phones and tablets. We help our neighbors power their lives. Visit Batteries Plus in-store, curbside, and online to save on boat, RV, and motorcycle batteries. For offer details and limitations, visit BatteriesPlus.com. We have a 12-year-old German Shepherd named Sophie, and she became overweight, stinky, greasy coat, and lifeless almost. Then about four years ago, we found out she had several vertebrae used together. She was unable to walk. The vet told us Sophie was going to have to be euthanized. I thought, I've got to do something. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I remember Sophie starting the Dynavite, and she, from day one, has loved it. She is no longer stinky. She is full of life. Dynavite heals Sophie. Dynavite is nutrition. I truly recommend that people not wait until the vet recommends euthanasia. You have to get them on Dynavite right away while they're healthy. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events. But thanks to Two Men in a Truck Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need. A professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. If you're about to start a project or remodel with wood, you need to think Miller Lumber in Richland. Since 1953, we've built a solid reputation of supplying quality wood at a lower price, like Western Red Cedar and Cypress Lumber, as well as a wide variety of patterns in pine, cedar, and cypress. Shop Miller Lumber for the best price new pine flooring and treated lumber in town. Miller Lumber, 551 Old Highway 49 South in Richland. Visit MillerLumberSales.com, 601-936-7099. go to the telephones now and talk with Preston. Preston, you're in Grenada. What's going on? What are you planting today? Uh, well, hello. Good morning. Uh, no, I was just wondering if you su- if you could suggest some uh, plants that would be beneficial to bees. Oh, sure. How much room do you have? <laughs> well, I I don't have a long memory, so I don't need a long list. Okay. But, uh, 
All right. I'm thinking about sunflowers and then, uh, yep. you know, just to give them a extra uh, taste every now and then of something different. But I don't know what else. Okie dokie. The, there's a, there is quite a long list, so I'm going to give you three that I'm just crazy about. Sunflower is certainly one of them. Celosia is another. It's, um, you'll, you'll, they'll be called plumes or any of those, you know, there's a bunch of different names of them, but I like the ones that are feathery and pluming because it's a different type flower. Celosias are really good. They grow well with sunflowers in that same kind of environment. And then really the third one that, there, there's there, everybody's going to have another choice. And most people are going to say zinnias, and I don't have any problem throwing zinnias out there. They they love it. You know the the bees just love that. But I also want you to look at a couple of little flowered salvias because they're so easy to grow. Called coral nymph. You'll find them in most of the garden centers, and it's just an entirely different flower. You'll grow the celosias probably from plants, but you could plant seed. You'll grow the sunflowers from seed, and you're going to want to look for little plants of coral nymph salvia, which will then reseed themselves all over your garden. <laughs> but there, that puts that also puts flower puts flowers for the bees at about eight inches off the ground, and then about fourteen or fifteen, and then much taller, of course, with some of the sunflowers. We want to do that too. Well, well, where did you say you can find these uh, things that I've never heard of before? Garden centers. Just uh, call, ask for when you when you go to the garden center. Tell them that you're looking for celosia, C E L O S I A, and then you're looking for coral nymph salvias or coral salvias, the little bitty salvias. That would be my choice, and they're going to be they're all over the place. Maybe not this week, but in a couple of weeks. <laughs> Thank you very much. Sure. I look forward to it. Send me some pictures. Mama on air at yahoo.com. Thank you, Preston. Good to hear from you. Bet it's chilly in Grenada today. Whew. Like everywhere. <laughs> uh, it's, it's chilly on the soccer field, Big Mike tells us. Um, it's chilly out there. And, um, yep, a lot of stuff, a lot of things blowing around today. That is for sure. But the good news is this, this is not unexpected. If we get into April and this happens, we will be unexpected. But we're not. It's not unexpected right now. We'll get past this. The next thing you know, we'll be complaining because it's hot. There's a lot of work being done lately about better environments and how to measure that. Whether it's for us or the critters or the pollinators or all of us all at the same time. Um, the theory, and well, it's not theory. The the studies are based on. The fact that when we know about a particular type of ecosystem, we can better adapt it in the face of whatever kind of changes come along, whether that's development or temperatures changing or rainfall changing or whatever it happens to be. So they've been looking in this particular study. I I think this is real interesting. Other than what they wanted to do was to measure the variety of trees and the green things, okay, green structures, that are otherwise present or not present in four residential back gardens, courtyard areas, just that are four really different, really different looking courtyards, but about the same time, about the same place, about the same climate, okay, and about the same size. Well, they were... If you're going to evaluate these things, you need a computer program bigger than mine. Thermal comfort, biodiversity, carbon storage, social interaction, all of that, all of that. More, The more green in this particular study told us more 
results that were positive, both in terms of people using the area, but also in terms of the critters that would be able to find a home there, the biodiversity of the area. The temperature and its moderative, whether it was you or me or the puppy, you know, that that needed a moderated temperature, and also the amount of carbon storage. So in other words, what we understand from some places is that there are there are things there are plantings that actually put out more carbon than they sequester. Well, that's not a good idea. So we're looking at the the part that is stored, and that's very important. Greener courtyards yielded more benefits. That's it. That's the one you need to know, and that's something that if you're saying to yourself, why do I want to put up this shade structure, this little house, you know, this this area around my space where I'm going to then have both sunlight and a little bit of shade in the afternoon because the greener the courtyard, the better the environment. Trees have the vital ability, as you all know, anybody who's walked into a glade from the sunshine knows that the, the trees definitely increase your thermal comfort by lowering the temperature. <laughs> I love that. They're increasing your thermal comfort. No, they're cooling you off. Come on. This is so... Anyway, that's what they have to call it. But they also talk about human health and the other advantages in the summertime because of the quality of the air produced around the trees. And, yep, considering mm-hmm, considering the increasing age of people in Potsdam, where most of this work was done, um, they needed to pay attention to that as well. But that's certainly true for all of us in, in, in our environments. But urban greening, it turns out, is not a panacea for dealing with extreme weather. Y'all, if, if you've listened to this for any length of time, y'all know that there are very few places that I would actually like to go, but I'd like to go to Cardiff because I've never been there to Wales. Um, the study from Cardiff University is really fascinating to me. Nature Communications is where the report is, so it's not a bunch of hooey. It's an actual journal. They have showed that cooling or reducing the flood potential of green urban spaces really depends strongly on the prevailing climate in that place. So in other words, these things that we're looking at don't moderate every climate. Some some they moderate too much. Some they actually if you if you are worrying about the urban greening and you take into account the the flood problems and you're in need of getting the water off the area, sometimes we do that too well because the actual environment itself needed more moisture than we gave it to. Not necessarily in Cardiff, but the the flooding is part of the um, urban stream syndrome where unfortunately the structures and all the things that move the water around in an urban environment do in fact change the runoff and that changes how the areas around it make any sense. So it's it's a real different sort of thing. I like the idea I've always appreciated the penetration factor. We don't always talk about um, it's called percolation if you have a soil surface and you want to see how much water gets through it and how fast of a time what you're measuring is the percolation quality of the soil. But the penetration quality in things like concrete driveways, for example, is not supposed to be very good. On the other hand, if we're able to introduce some of those concepts and make some of that water able to go into the surface below, we can reduce the flooding. So those kinds of urban greening are important and work, but not all of it works. They were using 175 cities to study 15 years of daily observations, and then they took it took um, soil science theories and pushed it all together to try and figure out what was going on. What they found out, it's not automatic, but in many areas it is possible for urban greening to mitigate local flooding, 
and excess heat is not necessarily a byproduct. Now, why is all this interesting to me on this particular day? Well, because I have given you all of my joy and excitement over having a sidewalk in front of my house finally after 20 years of trying to get one, the project got completed and apparently because our, they, they also narrowed the storm drains and moved some of that. There's a house across the street from me that has a very steep driveway that goes down to the canal. And their flooding problem was exacerbated by the redoing of the street. So they got somebody to come in and redirect the water away from them. So now in this most recent intense amount of water, they just did this recently, I had a foot of water in my front yard all afternoon. That will kill my lawn if it stays very long. Okay, it did drain away, but it took some time. And now I understand why my neighbors planting in the strip between the sidewalk and the street all died, because that's where the water sat before. And now it's sitting at my place. So it's, it's somebody going to have to do something. I don't know exactly what. But the point is that urban greening might work for you, might give you the opportunity to have mitigating your local flooding with some of this material, plant material and whatnot, but it ended up going somewhere else for me. And that's not so good. Um, The good news on all of that, though, is that there's one more study for you to know about from the University of Washington. Um, When we talk about how much food costs and we talk about everybody's desire suddenly to raise more food or raise some food of their own. I anticipate that we're going to have a lot of those conversations just like we did a couple of years ago. But the uh, January Pure J looks at regenerative farming practices, which we can apply a lot of to our own home gardens. The experiment was conducted to determine whether or not soil-friendly practices have a healthier nutritional profile. Duh! I'm sorry. From my point of view, this is one of those things that they have proven many times over. But in this particular case, they have proven it and put it forward in a place where it needs to be put forward. And that, of course, is the entire agricultural world, which is to say soil microbes and fungi boost. If you you treat them well and nourish them, they will, in fact, produce beneficial minerals, release beneficial minerals, vitamins, and phytochemicals into the crops, which are measurable. And yet it's true. It is true. You grow them better, they come out better. And better by better, I mean sustainably. And I'm not talking about just throw the seeds out there. I'm talking about actually cultivating, but cultivating in a sustainable way. So we're going to talk about that as the spring comes on around us here. Um, yeah, this is the, there, there's an awful lot of uh, changes in the spring weather, and Ken's pointing out some of those. It's true. The feel of the air gets different. That's very true. Um, <laughs> Greg in Nettleton has discovered where the cold front is today. He went running and ran right into it, turned around and came back the other way. Um, the, the morning wind behind you is one thing, but... Uh, when it when it's in your face, that's a whole nother world. He's right about that. So what are we going to do about this higher-priced food? Um, first of all, we're going to shop local. We're going to go to the farmer's markets. We're going to go to the truck farms. We're going to take advantage of our own spaces and grow some food because, frankly, we have to have some food, all right? 
I'm not going to suggest that you um, start producing anything else that you see a rise in the price of in your back garden, but you can definitely produce at least some food. You may grow a tomato. You may grow a whole boatload of tomatoes. You may decide you don't like tomatoes at all, it turns out, and you're going to grow squash. Whatever it is, the point is you will have a better experience with your food if you enjoy it, and you'll enjoy it more if you grew it. That's just the way it is. And we now have a, an actual study from the University of Washington to tell you why. Um, I love this. The name of the book, I'm going to try and get us a copy of it. It's hard to get to some of the authors these days. But the, the name of the book, um, author David Montgomery from University of Washington, professor of Earth and Space Science, he says that um, we couldn't find the studies that related directly. In other words, those of us who have appreciated the soil food web and who have seen the results, just like these folks did, they needed, a, they needed to do a study to actually put the proof forward, and they have done that. So we did the experiment that we wished was out there. And uh, he and his wife, spouse, are um, co-authoring a book that's coming out in June called What Your Food Ate, and I'm excited about it. I can't wait. It's going to explain to you what I try every week to explain in terms of the differences in how we garden and what we garden and what happens at the end of it. In this case, it's going to be the food part. So that's going to be exciting. That'll be very fun for us um, around here. Because let's face it, when everybody talks about um, you need to grow some food, maybe grow a little extra, take it over to the church, or you know, give it to somebody that you know, bring it to the food pantry. We've always done that in this part of the world to a greater level and much more generously, just in the same way that Mississippi always makes the top of the list in terms of per capita giving of any sort, you know, giving to relief, giving to, goodness gracious, recovery from storms and whatnot. We, we do that here. And one of the things that I see us doing more and more at this particular point is going to be growing more food. Um, a lot of stuff we can't replace. A lot of stuff we just have to go and say, you know, guess what? It's time. We're going to have to pay a little bit more. But I am happy to tell you that I'm happy to grow my food. I am not happy about higher prices, but I am happy that we are doing something to take care of some folks that need it really, really badly. And that is the case right now. There's always somebody in the world, but right now, Ukraine's on the front of everyone's mind, and it should be. All right, now, stick around. we got a long way to go today. This is Weekend Gardening. I'm Bob. Welcome to the digging safety class. Hey, Bob. You're here because you got caught digging before calling 811. I know, and now I'm here instead of making a living. I know, man, but it's the law. So let's get started. This is a shovel. Huh? Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Please call 811 two working days before you dig. It's the law, and it's just the right thing to do. That's
That's right, now you can play Wheel of Fortune practically anywhere. With the Wheel of Fortune scratch-off ticket from the Mississippi Lottery, you can win up to 17 times on a single ticket. The top prize is a cool $100,000. It even has its own second chance promotional prizes. You can win trips, prizes, and yes, even more cash. Get your Wheel of Fortune scratch-off tickets today and have fun, y'all. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Guys, have Viagra and Cialis let you down? It can get you to the point where you think your best days are behind you. Well, think again. If you suffer from any type of erectile dysfunction, regardless of your age or medical history, Innovative Health Clinic in Ridgeland can help. Their treatment options work without pain, needles, surgery, or medications, and no downtime using the latest proven technology. Call 601-944-5585 or visit InnovativeHealthClinic.net for an appointment today. What do your customers expect from you? Consistency, reliability, a healthy place for them to frequent, and fantastic customer satisfaction? That's the same thing you deserve. And you'll get it from Jenny King, the king of clean. We currently clean and disinfect over 350 businesses, buildings, healthcare facilities, schools, and offices here in the Jackson area with a 99.99% customer satisfaction success rate. Plus, our average customer retention rate is eight years. For your clean and healthy building, go to JennyKingCleans.com. That's JennyKingCleans.com now. Jenny King, the king of clean. Hi, I'm John Albritton. If your diamond seems smaller today than yesterday, trade it for a larger stone at Albritton's. Our certified gemologist will give you a generous, no-obligation appraisal of your diamond, which can be applied to your new selection. Whether you choose to remount your existing stone or simply trade it, you'll get the most diamond value at Albritton's. Quality and value go hand in hand at Albritton's. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Green Home AC Systems. <laughs> Are you feeling it? <sighs> The new degree of comfort. Since 1871, Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton has been providing everything you need. Everything for your house, fencing, plumbing, flowers, lumber. Everything for your animals, dogs, cats, birds, chickens, cows, horses. And everything for your patio and yard. Bayou Classic Cookers, Wind Chimes, Orca and Pelican Coolers. We have most everything. 150 years of serving the community, family owned and operated. Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, downtown Bolton since 1871. We'll see you soon. Hey, I'm here with Alex Murray of Auto Innovation. At Auto Innovation, we want to change your car buying experience. When you're in the market for a quality pre-owned vehicle, please come see us. We want to make friends, not just customers. All eligible vehicles are inspected by a Master Tech mechanic and come with a limited powertrain warranty on us. We are located on Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Come by, see us, or check out our inventory online at autoinnovation.net. Let us change your car buying experience. Auto Innovation, Highway 51 in Ridgeland.
When I was a little child. You know it's true. Welcome in. Thank you so much for being part of Weekend Gardening today. I am uh, trying to answer a request for the dates of the uh, garden extravaganza, and I just can't figure out what year is is the right year, but it looks like, I don't know, if anybody has the date for sure, please let me know about that, okay? Send me a note. Um, And, of course, uh, you can text it. As always, to the ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. His other question: This is Ray and Clinton. The uh, buds and blooms is in Wesson, but buds and blooms is, to be specific, it is at three zero seven four Mississippi Highway five fifty Northwest in Wesson. Basically, it's easy to get to if you look at map it up anywhere. You're going to find out how simple it is to get there. It's uh. Buds and Blooms Greenhouse and Gardens, and they are, I'm so excited, we're going to have so much fun. I have a, a, a friend that takes me, you know, when I go somewhere, somebody else has to drive usually because, well, quite frankly, the, the main reason is because my children worry if I travel alone anymore, like I didn't travel alone before they were born, y'all know this, <laughs> y'all have all had this experience if you have grown kids, but on the other hand, it is more fun, and um, it, it does... It, it ensures having some company and, and all of those things, which are, frankly, even more important. And, frankly, I'm, I'm better company if I haven't just driven for an hour or two. So it is about 70 miles from Jackson. If you want to know specifically, and Ray from Clinton, it's going to be just about the same thing. So it's not that far. It's a little, about an hour, a little more. All right, soil-friendly practices and growing food. This is really cool stuff, wonderful news, wonderful things to talk about. Um, and, and in fact, if you want to talk about how you're doing your soil and whether or not you should, whether there are people who will tell you not to do anything to it, just to plant where you are. And I say that might work for some things, but it depends on your soil. If you happen to have some delightful loam that has been pushed into your space, you can grow anything in it. And right now you probably have, oh, hands full of henbit and, and, and lespedeza and stuff that you can turn around and dig in for green matter if you want to do that. But on the other hand, if you have soil that, like mine, is basically pickaxe hard in places, you need to do a little amending before you grow most of the things that we like to grow in this part of the world. Ah, yes, indeed. I can't even begin. I need need to write a treatise on all of the neuron research that has come along. And I'm gathering the story. It's kind of like a few years ago, um, it, it, we, we got into the Gardening Takes Guts, and every week there was another gardening sto- story of, that was related to understanding about how our, our guts work. And uh, I'm, I'm about to be in that same boat with neurons. We're learning so many things that advance our cognitive abilities and the ways that, the ways that that happens. It's just very, very exciting. Um, very exciting. And... Uh, that's really nice. Really very, very nice stuff. Y'all send me the coolest stuff. <laughs> There's going to be a snow portrait, no doubt about that. <laughs> Y'all are funny. If I could say all of this on the air, people wouldn't listen, but I'm tickled. Um, Doug's in West Point. Let's talk about your cantaloupes. What you growing? What you want to grow? Hey, Doug. Uh, I'm on some ambrosia cantaloupes. I can't find none. Where can I get some? That particular variety, that sort, um, I'm immediately in my mind comes Johnny's Select Seeds. Have you looked at them? 
them. Okay, I would look at them. Uh, they're certainly online. And the other place to find these things that are a little bit harder to find than they used to be is always the Seed Savers Exchange. They have a website. They, they started out as like 10 people who traded seeds, okay? And now they're an international business that makes sure that old varieties stay in the loop. So the Seed Savers Exchange is one place to look. And Johnny, I, for some reason, I feel like Johnny Select Seed has an ambrosia cantaloupe. I, I don't know that, but I feel like it, it's true. Okay. Can you freeze a cantaloupe, cut it up, and freeze it? You know, I, I've read different things about that. I, I've, I have read that you can, but it's going to be mushy when you take it out. And so if you're going to use it for something like ice cream or sorbet or, you know, make a fruit soup kind of thing, that it's okay. But I've heard other people say that there's there are ways that it can be frozen. I think it has more to do with the cantaloupe itself. In other words, if the fruit is already fully ripe, it's going to be hard to freeze it and have it come back to fully ripe. But if it's not quite ripe yet, you know, Heather, sometimes there's the, the day that you feel like you wish you'd waited till the next day, <laughs> that, those days with cantaloupe. I, I believe that that's the fruit that they talk about that you can actually freeze and use more successfully again. But it's not because there's because it's so much water. It's like freezing cucumbers. It's very hard to have it turn back out to the texture that you were looking for. Such thing as a running butter peach. Ooh, I don't know. That's another one I would definitely look at Seed Savers Exchange about, because I, I remember running butter peas, but I don't know if I've seen one in forever. I'm going to write that down. I may have to look for it. That's one of those things, you know, I, 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 I didn't know until very recently that my favorite lady peas are a rarity, are considered, and they're not rare here, but in other places where they're grown, they're considered very prized because people can't get the seeds. I have happily been uh, gifted some Mississippi silver skins, and I'll be growing those. But we'll see if we can find somebody that knows about running butter peas. But do check Seed Savers Exchange, okay? Thank you, Doug. Good to hear from you. The seed savers literally started out as seed savers, and they began exchanging seeds, and that's all been very good for us. But they're much bigger. You don't have to feel like you're just looking for the, you know, the the bush bean that your grandmother grew. You're gonna find all sorts of things out there that they do, and sometimes in their discussions, um, I can't remember what the the flower was that someone was looking for, but they found something very similar to it just by reading the discussions. It wasn't the same variety, but it turned out to be very similar. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. Chilly, chilly, chilly out there today. Y'all are so fun with all these snow pictures. This is great. Thank you. I will see if I can find um, the... I, I know how to look this up. I just thought about this. You ever have this experience? You go to the library and you know the Dewey Decimal System or you know basically where the section is you're going to. And then all of a sudden you remember how to look something up. Every now and then on Google or any search engine like that, I'll have that same experience. It's like, oh, I needed to put in a different term. I needed to look for this differently. I needed to see how it all came about, for one thing. I had not, this is something I didn't know about. I have always been fascinated with those maps that, anthropologists and geologists and paleontologists and all these people put together of the world as it, as they believe that it was as it has evolved and developed but a new team french american and turkish paleontologists and geologists have discovered the existence 
not just posited it, they have discovered the existence of a forgotten continent. Yep, they're calling it Balkanatolia or Balkanatolia. Um, it, it covers the Balkans and Anatolia, so they just jam those two names together. But the reason they could tell about it is because it's so specific in its fauna. And the flora are so specific there, and they're not on either side of it. So that's how they're able to figure these things out. Earth Science Reviews, you want to know about mammals from Asia to colonizing Europe 34 million years ago? These are the people that are after your heart. How about that? Oh, my goodness. And yeah, Booker T's right. Time is tight. This is Weekend Gardening. Are you looking for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money, but they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all, costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, contact the Mississippi State Board of Contractors at msboc.us. Your business may not be a Fortune 500 company yet. You've worked hard to grow your business to where it is today, but are the manual processes that worked when you were smaller now eating into your man hours? As an iSolve network provider, MWG Employer Services can help you save time and money by streamlining the processes of administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits, as well as training your personnel to efficiently manage your human capital through one platform. Want to find out more? Visit MWGEmployerServices.com. Save now and later during the Skelly Money Days. Shop today and save up to $300 instantly. Then receive up to $500 in Miss Skelly Money to spend on your next visit for a total savings of up to $800. It's a whole new level of savings. Plus, with 60 months financing, you can keep your cash because there's no money down required. Save now and save again during the Skelly Money Days. Up to $800 off are already low prices. Miss Skelly Money Day. At all Miss Skelly locations. Morgenstown has been serving builders, contractors, and homeowners since 1997. They have everything for interior and exterior projects. We have all kinds of stuff. Marcus, let me tell them. Stone pavers, stone benches, stone slabs, stone boulders, stone fire pits, flagstone, fieldstone, bluestone, cobblestone, chopstone. That's right, Zeta. I'm Zoe Morgan. We're rock solid since 1997. Statewide delivery, the largest stone yard in Mississippi. Come see us at Morgenstown in Brandon. Morganstone.com. You're listening to WFMN Flora Jackson, Super Talk Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at baroniestreepros.com. It's Alyssa Arbuckle, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Mississippi is one of only three states that lost population in the last census, with a population dip around 6,000. 
As Fox's Chris Foster reports, the Census Bureau says it missed 18.8 million Americans. They follow up the census count every 10 years with re-interviews and an analysis of demographic data to get an estimate of overcounts and undercounts. In 2020, analysis shows an overall undercount of 0.24%, considered statistically insignificant and successful considering the challenge of counting people during that first year of the coronavirus pandemic. But the analysis shows Black, Hispanic, and American Indian residents were undercounted even more than usual, with whites and Asians overcounted. Don't forget to set your clocks forward an hour when you go to bed Saturday night. Daylight saving time kicks in Sunday. According to the National Sleep Foundation, most of us sleep about 40 minutes less the night after the switch. The extra morning sunlight should help your body adjust. And sleep experts say it's best to avoid naps over 20 minutes long to make sure your nighttime sleep isn't interrupted. It's time to take a road trip down to the coast for CPR Fest 20. Outside on the grounds of the Mississippi Coast Coliseum, Saturday, April 2nd. Starring Mississippi's own Three Doors Down, live. Three Doors Down with Seether. Plus Bad Flower. Society and special guest Giovanni and the Hired Guns. And check out the best local music in the state on the CPR Fest homegrown stage. A very limited number of reserved seats are on sale now. General admission tickets just $35 plus Ticketmaster fees. Don't wait, get yours now at Ticketmaster.com. It's the biggest rock show of the year. Saturday, April 2nd, outside of the Mississippi Coast Coliseum in Biloxi. Lawmakers still have to decide what they want to do about alcohol distribution in Mississippi. Senator Scott Delano cited problems with the state-run liquor warehouse, which has had distribution backlogs, among other issues. I get more phone calls from restaurants I'm sure. and from casinos down on the coast that um, they express those problems or those concerns as well as you know friends and family that are, that that can't find very basic uh, wine and spirits that mm-hmm. they that they normally would find in any other time and liquor stores aren't able to get it and we yeah. need to help them out in there Senate legislation calls for a new ABC warehouse. The bill in the House would basically remove the government from the liquor business, so private companies would build their own warehouses and there'd be no need for a state site. The House replaced the Senate bill with privatization language. Now it'll go to conference where lawmakers will try to work out a compromise. I'm Kelly Bennett. In Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. Southeastern Conference basketball tournament action last night saw Mississippi State fall to Tennessee 72-59. to So Mississippi State is out of the SEC basketball tournament, and the Bulldogs will have to wait till Sunday night to find out if there's any postseason possibilities in their future next week. In the other games in this SEC basketball tournament, upset to start the day yesterday, Texas A&M knocked off top-seeded Auburn 67-62. Then Arkansas beat LSU 79-67, so Texas A&M and Arkansas will meet in the first semifinal game today at noon in the SEC tournament. Tennessee will be taking on Vanderbilt or Kentucky as they were playing the late game last night in the SEC basketball tournament. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Supertalk Sports Mississippi. It's time to take a road trip down to the coast for C-
CPR Fest 20. Outside on the grounds for the Mississippi Coast Coliseum, Saturday, April 2nd. Starring Mississippi's own Three Doors Down, live. Three Doors Down with Seether. Plus Bad Flower. Society and special guest Giovanni and the Hired Guns. And check out the best local music in the state on the CPR Fest homegrown stage. A very limited number of reserved seats are on sale now. General admission tickets just $35 plus Ticketmaster fees. Don't wait, get yours now at Ticketmaster.com. It's the biggest rock show of the year. Saturday, April 2nd, outside of the Mississippi Coast Coliseum in Biloxi. In baseball action yesterday, the Ole Miss Rebels took a 16-2 win over Oral Roberts in the first game of the series in Oxford. The Rebels improved to 12-1. Oral Roberts falls to 9-4. The two teams are scheduled to play today at the 131st pitch and the same 130 on Sunday, weather permitting for both of them, 1 o'clock airtimes on the Ole Miss Baseball Network. Mississippi State, meanwhile, took on Princeton, defeated the Tigers 11-2 yesterday at Duty Noble Field. Mississippi State is now 8-7. Princeton falls to 0-9. The same two teams are scheduled to get underway today at 1 o'clock. Today and tomorrow, again, weather permitting, 1230 is the airtime on the MSU Baseball Network. As this is the last non-conference weekend, Southeastern Conference Baseball gets underway next week. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, 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 hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Yep, my name's Nellie Neal. I'm known as the Garden Mama, and it is my great pleasure and honestly a privilege to be here with you. I, I, um, I can't tell you how many people... Don't get to have Garden Radio 12 months out of the year. I, every year I get the announcements from friends of mine around the countryside that their show's starting up first weekend of March or first weekend of April or further whatever. But here, because we garden all the time, yep, I get to look at pictures of three and a half inches of snow in one place and three inches of snow in another. But guess what? It's not going to last very long. And all underneath everything, daffodils and crocus and one thing and another are all blooming. And the good news is that when this bears away, you know, this is going to melt pretty quickly. I do think we're, you never know what's going to happen next, but I think we're on our way to a really beautiful spring. And I, I, I'm confident of that to the point where I have actually uncovered uh, some daffodils I'm growing in containers and some other things like that that I would have kept tighter if I thought this was going to be a long and uh, extended cold snap. It's not. It's going to be just a a, a brief one. I'm looking at the shadow and, and work on uh, one of John's paintings from this is uh, downtown Webb, and it, it's really beautiful. I'm I always appreciate the way other people can see things, and when you can see things the way that I like them to look, I'm particularly enamored of that. Speaking of how I want it to look, 
I've really never, um, I never considered this. You know, we think about stegosaurs and and and, and tyrannosauruses and and all of these other things that that got the sour s a u r word in them, but um, now I I, I, did, I guess this had to be, but ichthyosaurs. Yeah, mm-hmm. just like ichthyologists has to do with fish and, and, and all of that. We now have got prehistoric marine reptiles on our radar known as ichthyosaurs. I'm really tickled about this. This is a giant fish lizard, ancient, um, more ancient than giant. But they have also created the most up-to-date reconstruction available based on what they were able to find. So this is the University of Sweden, Lund University, I'm sorry, in Sweden. Um, there have been... So much, when we look at fossil work, inevitably it takes another set of eyes coming along at some point to make it make all the sense that it should, or some other way to identify what is there. So they have been studying this thing, and now they've mapped out all the research that's been done over 300 years. Um, They were very successful as, as a group, it turns out. They migrated from land to the oceans, um, and they thrived there about more than 150 million years, but they were dolphin-like reptiles in the early Triassic, late Cretaceous, through that arc of, of, of history, which is the dinosaur era, okay? So they were around at the same time. And I have, um, I don't know how this happens. Some One group leaves behind almost no fossils at all. And yet, when we begin the study, we are able to recognize how many of them there were and how widely they were distributed. These guys left their fossils everywhere. And as a result, it makes a really brilliant fossil record. Um, They've actually managed now to begin to study the skin and the muscles and other things that were left behind beyond just the fossils because they've found so many more of these critters. I love this. But I'm, I'm... I'm surprised there's not already a band named Fish Lizard. There should be. Um, and I'm, I'm hopeful that that will happen very shortly now. The reference point was a fish lizard found in Holmsmaden, Germany. So somebody needs to tell me, is there not a punk rock band named Fish Lizard in Germany? Come on, y'all. There's bound to be. Anyway, what they've been doing on, working on this thing, of course, is um, to be able to show people what these things looked like. And in fact, they now have 300 years of history made into a critter. And the term, (laughs) believe it or not, ichthyosaur was coined before the term dinosaur. So that's how long they've been studying these rascals. And now you can go um, Department of Geology in Lund and see the model if you want to. I have a feeling it's also online for those of us who will not be going to Lund anytime soon. But that's not all. You know, I mean, I always encourage you to call me because if you don't, I'm going to talk to you about some crazy stuff that in the world of science that hasn't really gotten attention that I think it deserves. Triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. That is the Super Talk call line if you would rather talk about something else. Um, the ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five seems to be full of snow pictures this morning, and I appreciate y'all. But y'all, you can drive away from that snow. You can come south and come with me to Buds and Blooms in Wesson. Mm-hmm, that's right. And by the way, it's going to be cold there, as they said, but it, they've got heaters. They have patio heaters for us, so we're going to be fine. They also have lunch, so you can come down there, buy your plants, buy some lunch, enjoy a talk by me at 1 o'clock, and just have a big old time, and then go back home and see whether the snow sticks. But, but 
you may not want to do that. So I thank you for listening to the radio show. And guess what? There's going to be other opportunities to visit with me in person this spring. I look forward to that. But this one kicks it off, and I appreciate Donna and the folks at Buds and Blooms for letting me be there. We are um, we're old and dear friends and, and like a lot of the same plants. So I'll be talking about houseplants today, Houseplants 101, some of my very favorites. Y'all don't know this. I went to college for this. <laughs> I didn't just go to college to learn how to grow trees, um, although that was certainly an important part of it. But um, I, my major was actually in the floriculture department. Most of my work was done in the greenhouse, and I still like greenhouses a lot. But see now, we got, I got a few little things here. This is this is great. Um, Jeff in Forest County says. Um, <laughs> Here's a bit of news that you might or might not know, and I'm, I really honestly have believed, I found this out myself, but it was in regard to walnuts. He says, I realize I don't need to buy a nutcracker for the uncracked pistachios when I have channel locks. Channel lock pliers, if y'all y'all talk about tools, we were talking about tools earlier with someone about old tools, new tools, tools with this and that that didn't get onto the air. But he's absolutely true about this. Um, there, there's no... There's no question about it. And, um, yeah, by the way, I do think there's – I agree with your other text that you didn't send to me. So there you have it. Um, yeah, thank you very much. We, we have to worry about Cat 5s all the time. But channel locks are a wonderful tool if nobody's given it to you. If, 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 they, if no one's done that for you, they should. Oh, this is good. Rhett and Ridgeland's got corn coming up. Now, it is in a protected container ready to be moved into the you know larger space or whatever but the point is that it has in fact uh doing fine and i like that i hope it's that red corn that i see in the picture because that's pretty it's a gorgeous one gorgeous 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 i i'm a a, a channel lock person and i'm also I have, I have two or three other tools that i think everybody should have if you can find speaking of old tools if you can find one of the old multi-tools it's kind of like a a larger version of a Swiss Army knife. You know? <laughs> Can't build a house with it, probably, but you can do almost everything else, and it, it's, a, it's a good one to have. Now, sometimes when we look at tools like that, whether it's a Swiss Army knife or a multi-tool, and, 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 my, and my other favorite thing is a Sawzall. Y'all know that. Um, but the, there are there's just something about having that other arm, you know, that other the tool on the other arm to do the work for you. I, I'm, I'm not going to be Edward Scissorhands. I'm not going to try to go out there and prune with my fingernails or anything like that. But I will tell you, I could use another arm, and you could too probably. The American Museum of Natural History is letting us know right now they found the oldest ancestor of the group of animals that includes octopus and vampire squids. But guess what? The reason they're older in terms of their evolution is because they had ten arms, not eight. Why, do you suppose? Well, that's what they were working on studying now. This is a vampiropod. Yes, I didn't make that up. It's vampiropod based on a 328-million-year-old fossil that had not been previously described. This is one of those things they looked in the drawer and went, Whoa! <laughs> Look at that! Let's see what this is. And in fact, it pushed the age of the group back because it changed everything. They're publishing in Nature Communications. This is just wonderful stuff. This is the first and only known vampiropod. I love that. I'm not going to get a new tattoo, but I would. If I was going to get that any word on there, it would be that one. Ten functional appendages. 
Now, when you consider that there is a brain in each one of the octopus appendages that you run into, think about this one. This one could think even harder and faster, probably. Um, The internalized chitinous shell is also missing in these so that means that the the it's it's vampire pod is not very well represented in the fossil record because they don't have very much of the um hard parts to, that can stay like the chitin and the part made out of chitin okay so this was not some far away place this is a this is a beautiful vampire pod fossil from the collection of the royal ontario museum originally discovered in what is now montana that tells you when they tell you like that, it means it was long before it was a state and probably when it was still just a wild place and they found it. They donated it to the museum there in uh, 1988. So they have been working on this thing. And obviously this is this is where you begin to have to kind of laugh because the emeritus professor there, the emeritus curator of the museum is the person who identified it. And you can imagine that they said, are you sure you don't know another one? People forget stuff when they get old. (laughs) No, no, no. They described the ten arms, all with their preserved suckers, corroborating previous scientific arguments that their common ancestor had ten arms as well. Pretty amazing. I have to say, though, that the Vamporipata, I love this. It's great stuff. Fun, fun stuff. Um, <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right, Big Mike. That's a good one. <laughs> That's funny. Um, the Bee Gees. We got all kinds of musical cons- considerations here. Um, oh, that's funny. Uh, y'all are, y'all are just. This is some. And telling you, one day. We're going to put out a tape just reading the texts without any comment or any attribution and no concept of what the show was actually about because it's so funny. Y'all are really good. I tell you what, I'm I'm reminded of early in my life, I had the pleasure of knowing a whole bunch of comics, and I don't mean comedians necessarily, although they were certainly capable of stand-up, but these were improv people and and people that did, just did all of that stuff. And I, I remember thinking how my mind was getting expanded. Y'all are doing that to me today with all of these things. <laughs> these great ideas. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Um, that it is it is it is very funny he says my grandchildren like that when you're exactly right that's that's a very funny one right up there okay we're not going to share it though we want it to stay in the in the in the vault <laughs> oh my goodness i got out this week in one of those beautiful pleasant days and moved all of my assorted gardening gear into a new space. I don't have a potting shed anymore, and I've decided to set up sort of a, a, a vague one. It's not exactly how I would like to have it, but getting used to doing all these things outdoors has been real interesting. I've discovered that I have a need for shade, that my head gets hot, you know, those kind of things. But when you do that, I want to encourage you, when you start turning over containers and you're fi- you find critters and bugs in them, don't just go to squishing. Go ahead and let them get back out into the environment. There's m- virtually nothing that's growing in the container of soil that you've just dumped out to remix with other things that's going to hurt you. If there's anything in there that's going to grow that's going to be really dangerous, the whole business is probably going to smell. 
whether it's wet or dry, and you're not going to want that. So you'll end up putting that out into some other place or, or putting it into um, – some people have a specialized – dump this container over here and see what happens. You know, it's not actually the compost heap, but it's close by. So it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, let's see now. Papa D's got, in, in his black sand, he's got down here in the gardening twilight zone, zone 9. I love zone 9. Don't do that. Uh, anyway, 125 pounds of lime. What? Wait a minute. Okay, well, good. All right, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Thanks, Papa D. I can't wait to hear how you do this. But I'm telling you, Zone 9 is a delightful place. Um, one of my very, very favorite gardening climates. And it, it's not because it's called Zone 9 necessarily, even though that is the date of my birthday. Um, it's because it is just a little bit warmer than Zone 8, and it's still not quite tropical. I, I like the subtropics, and that, that's that's my, my home not where I was born, but it's where I learned to garden the most. Um, we're going to bring back the fish lizards. <laughs> it is a problem. <laughs> Big Mike's right. It, we have to take into consideration, it's like so many things. Um, ooh, I'm going to make somebody mad with this one. When we consider bringing back extinct animals, it's almost that time travel thing. If we consider going back and changing what happened, we usually feel like we shouldn't go back and change what happened because that's the the progress of history or the progress of that creature's line or whatever. But it is hard not to want to do that sometimes, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let it lay there. But I have to say, bringing back bringing back fish lizards might might or might not be the best idea. <laughs> I can think of a few reasons why it wouldn't be. Speaking of reasons, oh, my goodness, those pesky satellites. They tell us more than we want to know sometimes. Yep. For years and years, it seemed like every two months there was another story. There was a fundraising thing. Sting was involved. There's all kind of efforts made because the Amazon, which is, of course, basically the air cleaner, the heart of the Earth as a planet, has been compromised. It has been developed in some places. It has been logged in a lot of places. And it has, the environment itself is not as large as it once was. And we have begun to see the effects of that. What we're seeing now in these most latest studies, and we're going back to Potsdam because they do so much of this um, climate impact research, it is losing its resilience is the term that they use for this. Now, If we didn't have the satellites, we couldn't see it. We would just have to realize it from the ground level. But logging and burning, burning, of course, to develop and and logging to to take trees out and and that then leads to burning oftentimes, has an awful lot going about us. This is the ability to recover from these processes is getting longer and less effective. Something to think about. Like we didn't have enough to worry about. Now the Amazon is getting compromised even more. Like they said, they said it was going to happen. Sure enough, the really good news is the sun's shining most places, and it is, in fact, going to be a pretty bright day, all right? I'm headed to Buds and Blooms this afternoon. What are you doing? Thank you for being here. This is Weekend Gardening.
Hello, everyone. I'm Bob. Welcome to the digging safety class. Hey, Bob. You're here because you got caught digging before calling 811. I know, and now I'm here instead of making a living. I know, man, but it's the law. So let's get started. This is a shovel. Huh? Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Please call 811 two working days before you dig. It's the law, and it's just the right thing to do. That's right. Now you can play Wheel of Fortune practically anywhere. With the Wheel of Fortune scratch-off ticket from the Mississippi Lottery, you can win up to 17 times on a single ticket. The top prize is a cool $100,000. It even has its own second-chance promotional prizes. You can win trips, prizes, and yes, even more cash. Get your Wheel of Fortune scratch-off tickets today and have fun, y'all. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Guys, have Viagra and Cialis let you down? It can get you to the point where you think your best days are behind you. Well, think again. If you suffer from any type of erectile dysfunction, regardless of your age or medical history, Innovative Health Clinic in Ridgeland can help. Their treatment options work without pain, needles, surgery, or medications, and no downtime using the latest proven technology. Call 601-944-5585 or visit InnovativeHealthClinic.net for an appointment today. Are you having sewer and drain problems? Call the experts, Roto-Rooter. Since 1934, Roto-Rooter Plumbing has been fixing small home disasters. Mention this ad for $25 off any service. Call Roto-Rooter, 601-353-3333. That's 601-353-3333. Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. And away goes troubles down the drain. Roto-Rooter. Selling your vehicle? We'll buy it. Need to put it on our lot? We'll consign it. Just need a new ride for the new you? We'll trade it. Pinnacle Motors needs you and your vehicle. Steve Owen and the friendly staff of Pinnacle Motors is buying, consigning, and trading quality pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs at the corner of Highway 471 at Baker Lane and Vine Street in Brandon and online at PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. That's PinnacleMotorsLLC.com. Pinnacle Motors needs you and your vehicle. Quality vehicles, affordable prices. Pinnacle Motors. Before you open your doors each day, ask yourself one question. Is my building clean and healthy for my customers and employees? If you trust Janet King, the king of clean, then you know the answer. Yes! We've been cleaning and disinfecting this area for almost 35 years. Our local franchise owners make this happen every day because, like you, they live, eat, shop, work, and pray in these same local buildings. For your clean and healthy building, go to JanetKingCleans.com. That's JanetKingCleans.com today for a healthy building tomorrow. Janet King, the king of clean. Are the trees and shrubs running your yard instead of you? Let the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros take out your problem limb by limb. Baroni's Tree Pros is your complete tree, shrub, and stump removal service. No job is too big for the tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. And with our superior cleanup, you can't go wrong. Baroni's Tree Pros, 601-345-8090. 601-345-8090. That's 601-345-8090. Or online at baroniestreepros.com. That's baroniestreepros.com. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Ream Home AC Systems. <laughs> Are you feeling it? <sighs> Ream, the new degree of comfort. 
Ah, yes, indeed. I hope you're drinking coffee or having tea or enjoying your morning otherwise this morning. Good question. Really, really good question. What do you do when the trellis dumps everything? (laughs) The whole thing fell over. Oh, my goodness. That's so hard. Um, You know, there's... uh, there are two approaches. One is, as, as uh, my darling late husband would say, just burn it down and start over. But the better question is how to get it out without damaging the plant and what to do. Because this garden is so close to our coast, and we understand that he wants to know also about a stronger trellis, there, there, are, there are a couple of things. First of all, you've got a really good long growing season, so the good news is no matter what we do to this vine, it's going to grow back. Now, I don't want you to cut it down to the ground and dig it up, of course, but cut back as much as you need to to get these parts of the broken trellis out of it and then look at what's left and put that up on the next trellis. I'm really a big fan of post trellises for a vine that's this strong or something in, that involves um like a, a four by four posts and rebar because this thing is going to always be that sturdy and will always be it'll last longer than most everything else in the area if you can do it with something that strong if you can't then what you need to do is tie down and in in that case for example if you have an attractive metal trellis that you want to put up but you know I have one that's tall, and it, it oftentimes, if it's in a windy location, gives you the willies. It's going to fall over on you. That's the place for some tie downs. Simple, um, nice, you know, nice stringed uh, nylon string tie downs. Those are easy to find and not even hard to make if you want to make them yourself. But it's either a matter of bracing the trellis, sinking it in concrete, or tying it down. And either one of those things can work. I've, I've done both myself we're talking about same same person um talking about our all our relatives from um george and jackson county <laughs> we love y'all <laughs> great place great great place triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven you want to talk let's talk this morning you know have the opportunity to kind of laugh about the stuff going on in my garden sometimes and one of the things i'm definitely laughing about is the overwhelming amount of confederate jasmine vine that is coming over from my neighbors i don't even think they grow it anymore it just used to be there and now it's it's literally coming up everywhere you cut down one tree and everything that used to be under there that got too shaded out starts to grow so i now have literally i mean i don't know what i'm going to do with it it, this may be a case for the propane torch not because i don't like the plant but because it's trying to take over and become a ground cover in, for example, under my Buckeye trees, I can't. It's, that's too thick. I can't really do that. That's not going to work. Um, let's see. Oh, hey, Mabel, welcome in. What's going on with your blueberries? I want to know that I need. You know, I got mine in, in pots. Yes. I want to know that I need to cover them up or do anything to them. If you can cover them up, cover them up. Um, mine are. I'm not going to cover mine, but they're in my my environment back there is not as as open up opened up as yours is to the cold wind. So since they're in bloom, I'm going to say cover them if you can. Okay, and I want to know about something about my flower bed. My flowers didn't come back. None of them. So could I dig it up and? You know, get the old buds out and plant me a little garden in it. I'm not going to do that yet because some of that stuff might come back up. 
Um, and it's a little too chilly right now to, to start planting the summer things. But in a couple of weeks, if nothing has come up, yeah, absolutely you can. Then uh, do I need to do it when that thing escrow to the soil? Probably not, because I know you prepared a good soil last year, and usually that'll last for a couple of three years. I think you'll be fine. Okay. Okay. All right. Everything then. else okay? You staying warm? Yeah, I'm doing my best. Good, good, good. Same I got to you. when when I got up this morning, I thought, you know, it's cold. <laughs> my neighborhood's too cold this morning. Thank you for calling. Appreciate hearing from you. We all get to March and we think it's going to be spring. No, it's not. It's not the equinox. Isn't even for another week. So that is for true. That is for true. Um, Trent, I don't know the answer to that. Anybody know where he can find structural PVC connectors without going online? For greenhouse, this this is going to be a slightly um, wider pipe than you would be using for your plumbing. So I don't know the answer to that. Um, I do know that. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. I don't. I don't know the answer to that one. My greenhouse needs a new skin on it. So <laughs> that's what I'm worrying about. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's so true. Interesting. Fun stuff. Y'all are just, y'all are hilarious. I have, uh, I've never really thought about the point of view of a turtle. And I don't know, I get the tortoise and the hare. We all learn those stories when we're children, you know, that slow and steady wins the race. And yes, yeah, the years go by, I tend to hope that's true, <laughs> you know, but slow and steady wins the race doesn't really tell me about the tortoise, the turtles themselves. And what else is Woods Hole Oceanographic Institution going to study now except hearing loss among turtles? What? That's right. I said hearing loss among turtles. Now, there, there are other animals that are vulnerable to hearing loss, but, for example, dolphins are the, one of the ones that, that classically people talk about this. But reptiles and other Creatures have not really been considered that. However, the high volume of sound now, which is now being referred to as underwater noise pollution, because the levels are so high that they're deafening, whether it's ships or offshore construction, um, it, we're not talking about you know a flounder party or anything, but we're talking about things that, that humans do in the environment that changes the environment by making it more noisy. They've been working on uh, this particular study, oh, for a couple of years now, but they presented just recently. And they wanted the, to let everyone know that this is the first to support that they are definitely subject to hearing loss after intense noise. The way they describe it, it makes me feel like um, it's like you go to the concert and the next morning you wake up and your ears are still ringing you know, and you can't quite hear. Well, they have that too, but over time, as we all understand with human beings, that can be a problem over time. You can actually hurt yourself by listening to loud music too loud for too long too often. Aquatic turtles really do pay attention to their hearing because we understand that's the way that they locate themselves, environmental awarenesses, whether it's navigation away from the boats that are making all the noise or possible predators 
There's even been some underwater acoustic communication. Yes, that's right, turtles talking to each other. And all of these things are much more difficult when there's excessive noise. Squids to fish to whales, freshwater, saltwater, you name it, all of them are effective, but affected, but very few of them have been, few studies have been focused on the reptiles. And in this particular case, it is sadly true. Um, there, this is, the noise exposure induces what is called a temporary threshold shift. I'm telling you, it's like getting up after a rock concert. And this is the sensitivity is reduced due to the noise. And the rebound of it, of course, is the next thing that they're going to study, because we need to know. Do they do they get theirs back? We all hope we do, but we don't all. Um, I have a friend that I'm confident is not not listening right now, who was drafted for the war in Vietnam, but he had also been playing guitar in front of a very tall collection of amplifiers for a number of years at that point. And it turned out he didn't know that he had lost his hearing in one ear. But they said, hello? You know, he couldn't hear anything. And that's one of those things that doesn't change in, in adult humans, because by that time you've lost the hearing in that ear. That's the way it is. Pretty interesting stuff. I will pass along your tips. Um, about those PVC connectors. Thank you very much. And, oh, no, I don't want to know how high gas prices are, but thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, is the water sound, underwater sound, more or less than the airborne noise pollution? It, it is in some ways more and in some ways less. In other words, um, what I understand is that the, the grounded sounds, the sounds that are there all the time, actually have less influence but the ones that are introduced to the area have more than they would have if they were in the air. That's just what I've been reading. I don't, I don't quite understand it, but I understand it enough to be able to say that. Okay, okay. We'll try those folks. Get that information over to you. Um, I have just read online that there is no home and garden extravaganza this year in Jackson. Um, and that's, I read that off of their website. I didn't get that from anybody else. So if that's not true, tell them to change their website, and I'll be happy to upgrade it, <laughs> give more information. Lots of info this this year really coming out about plant development. Um, there's a, for example, the 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 fish fossils that that bridge the business between ocean and land. We we're just talking about the fish lizards. In this particular case. One of the largest genomic data sets of plants has, uh, looking at it, has really shown us how Earth used control of water and how things begin to breathe and how plants have adapted and fit into that particular dynamic. It's really interesting. Um, I, I, New Phytologist is not a, a journal that I was familiar with, but I certainly know about the University of Bristol and the University of Essex. What they've been working on is how these systems are going to adapt as things change. And it's pretty interesting stuff. They discovered that the stomata, you know, we always talk about um, if you have houseplants, you need to clean the leaves every now and then so that the stomata can continue to work like they're supposed to. We're not talking about soap and water, not talking about wax. We're just talking about wiping them off. And if we need to put a little water to it, we will. But this is the stomata are related to the origins of new genes. And in fact, later on, later innovations that the roots, the vascular systems, of course, actually put old genes back to work. And I, I, it's just interesting to me that because his, historically it's not been clear if the 
way plants d- grow and change and develop and evolve is driven by the repurposing or the emerging. And now we're finding out that the genes are busy in both practices. It takes both of those things to make a plant change and evolve into its new self. Um, it's really interesting. Um, I'm fascinated by that particular piece, but I'm also interested in this e- abrupt change, and we don't hardly see that. This this particular report, though, is coming to us from the University of California, Santa Barbara, but it is studying blue columbines. Now, we grow we grow columbine canadensis as a native plant here in the Deep South. That's not this plant. This is the other one. Um, in the new study, scientists described a population of columbines that have lost their petals. What? Yeah, that's right. Lost their petals. It indeed... Even the characteristic little nectar spurs that are the reason we think columbines are so intriguing looking, those are gone. So, in fact, they're not postulating in this particular article as to why this has happened so much as they are talking about the fact that it goes against um, Darwin's business. Always has talked about the slow changes, long lapses. Well, this happened apparently over just a couple of decades. And it's a drastic change caused by a mutation in a single gene. They didn't think this was, they didn't think this happened very much, and they certainly didn't think that you could see it. But in fact, the the, uh, the Colorado, the different, the Columbine it has has shown it to us. Um, usually, we see these things in the fossil record. But interestingly enough, this one was even closer to home. Pretty fascinating stuff. I'm really intrigued by. What's happened to a couple of the shrubs? I told you that I was pruning things. I pruned uh, I pruned the dried up rosemary. The other rosemary is perfectly happy. It's always the case, isn't it? There's one that's great and one that's not so great. Luckily, these are not on opposite sides of the door somewhere, so you don't notice one going down, the other one going up. But um, there, there's one in the front and one in the back, and one in the front looks terrible. So I cut it back. Nothing has happened. I added a little more soil around the base of it. Nothing has happened, but it's not dying either. It's not keeling over, so that's a good thing. The Carissa hollies <laughs> that I cut back, however, I think I killed. And as I said at the time that I was cutting them back, they're in my way. They don't have any purpose anymore, and they're in so much shade now that they don't produce good um, cut flowers, cut stems. So <laughs> if they go, they go. Oh, well, it, I did like them. They were nice, you know. Um, Oh, I, I, I just have to, really interesting. Um, oh, fun. Andy's and Brandon on the text line this morning for the first time ever. I grew a jalapeno pepper from seed. Congratulations. I've gotten a few peppers. How do I tend to it to make it flourish? Keep it warm. Make sure the soil drains well. Fertilize it every couple of weeks. And when the weather turns fully, fully warm, you can put it outside. Congratulations. I do like a jalapeno. Ah, fun stuff. Well, now listen. We've talked about the octopus. We've talked about the vampiropods. What are you talking about? This is Weekend Gardening. To tell us what to do. i like to be under the sea in an octopus's with you. With you. 
Your business may be classified as small to mid-size, but you view it as an empire and naturally want it to succeed. Do you have the proper tools in place to efficiently utilize the staff who handles administration of your HR, payroll, time, and benefits? Without changing current processes and proper training, payroll technology alone cannot solve these problems. By utilizing the iSolve platform, MWG Employer Services can create new processes and properly train your staff to maximize the efficiency of this technology. For more information, visit MWGEmployerServices.com. Propane is a safe, reliable, and clean energy source, and it's important that you are aware of these basic safety tips. Be sure that all family members are familiar with the smell of propane, know where the shutoff valve is, and what to do if a leak is suspected. Your propane provider will continue to offer a gas system check by one of their professionally trained technicians at no cost to you. Ask your provider for a pamphlet about more important propane safety info. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe, the Philly Cheesesteak Sandwich or Wrap, Melt-in-Your-Mouth Pulled Pork Sandwich, and the best burger in the Metro. Call 769-208-8283. Once again, 769-208-8283. We have a 12-year-old German Shepherd named Sophie, and she became overweight, stinky, greasy coat, and lifeless almost. Then about four years ago, we found out she had several vertebrae fused together. She was unable to walk. The vet told us Sophie was going to have to be euthanized. I thought, I've got to do something. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. I remember Sophie starting the Dynavite, and she, from day one, has loved it. She is no longer stinky. She is full of life. Dynavite healed Sophie. Dynavite is nutrition. I truly recommend that people not wait until the vet recommends euthanasia. You have to get them on Dynavite right away while they're healthy. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Green Home Solutions. We make air better. Do you know your indoor air quality score? Today, one in five people suffer from or have allergy or asthma. 90% of homes have indoor air quality problems. Over 25 million Americans suffer from asthma. We spend 90% of our time indoors, and our indoor air quality is two to five times worse than outdoors. Call 1-800-SOLUTIONS today. Green Home Solutions is the best decision you can make towards improving your family's indoor air quality. At Bob Boyd Honda, we pride ourselves in getting our customers the best deals around. Usually that means when we're selling cars, but right now... Bob Boyd is in the market to buy! We're offering top dollar for pre-owned autos, trucks, and SUVs. Come by, talk to our dedicated team, and discover what a great time it is for Bob Boyd to buy back your used vehicle. Any make, any model. Whether you're selling or buying, at Bob Boyd Honda, you get a deal. deal. The Bible doesn't tell us why God allows evil to exist, but it does tell us what God has done and will do about it. Hear Dr. Michael Ziegler's message this week on The Lutheran Hour, each Sunday morning at 7 on Supertalk 97.3. Are you the parent of a two to seven year old? Listen closely for an exciting free radio offer. By now you've probably heard of ABC Mouse, the Parents Choice Award winning online learning program that's actually changing the lives of early learners everywhere. ABC Mouse is like a little one-on-one -on -one teacher. It has helped her so much. 
Right now, we're offering a special radio promo to try it free for a month. But you have to go to abcmouse.com slash radio to claim your free month. That's abcmouse.com slash radio. Sponsored by Age of Learning. I'll be traveling right when I leave here today, headed down to Buds and Blooms in Wesson. I wish you'd come join me. It's going to be lots of fun. That's always a good trip. Lots of lots of good times there. And frankly, some plants that you don't find anywhere else. So come on and join me. Wesson, Highway 50, Highway 550, I'm sorry, in Wesson. Um, it's Buds and Blooms. They're easy to find and really worth the drive. Trust me. Wherever you are, I'm worth the drive. But the nursery's worth the drive. The garden center's always worth the drive. Oh, my goodness. I had no idea. Um, so many so many things happen in one's life. And, and if we're lucky enough to remember some of them, the other day I remembered the sound of water, boiling water coming out of a kettle pouring into instant coffee. It's different from into tea. Um, and and it's, a, it's a sound that's very specific and has to do with bubbles and crunching and all of that stuff that happens in a, in a freeze-dried product. I was fascinated by that. I, I'm really, really very tickled about that. But there's also an awful lot of things that are, well, you don't necessarily want to know about them. But I have been driving on the Mississippi River Bridge in Baton Rouge, headed west to where I used to live. And, uh, yeah, you look down, it's been wet. The season's been wet. The only things standing out of the water on the side of the riverbank are the willow trees. And they're sunk a lot. You know, they're, they're fine in the water, but there's a lot of water there. And then you look and you realize that there's this thing coming down the river. And... It looks like a bale of something, except it's round, and it's an orb, and you look and you realize how far away you are, so it's got to be huge, a couple of two, three feet apart, you know. Wow, it's fire ants. That's right. They build rafts to get away from floods. If you didn't think there was anything clever about that, well, you'll be wrong, because not only – I can't do it. Can you do that? No. It's clever. It works. They literally – they, they, the whole thing moves as they allow each other to breathe. I mean, it's one. Of, it's the technique of it is very, very well studied and very, very complicated. But what do you do with that knowledge? In the case of University of Colorado at Boulder, <laughs> I love when people give names to things. This is a creepy crawly lifeboat, and that's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a lifeboat that allows these particular creepy crawlies to survive. They flo- form floating rafts. There may even be hundreds of thousands of individual insects in there. It's it's hard, you know, I'm not counting them, but the origins of these behaviors come from very simple origins. For example, one ant might not be able to do this, but working collectively and thinking collectively, they are able to provide both intelligent solutions and resilience to their community. If you've never seen it, 
look it up, but it's still not. It, it, it's like the Grand Canyon. It's only going to be as impressive in person as it is when you see it, because fire ant rolling down the river are pretty amazing stuff. The good news is we found out some of their secrets, and the physicists are now working on swarming robots that will be able to <laughs> mimic the fire ants. Now, why in the world would we need to do this? Obviously, there are an awful lot of things that would make an awful lot of sense to keep things moving, to keep things able to be evacuated, and frankly, to allow the robots to get into places that they couldn't ordinarily get into and move in smaller units. If you can get hundreds of thousands of ants into a space that's two or three feet across in a, you know, a circle, a, a globe, you can certainly do that with these swarming robots. I'm fascinated. Um, the, the, the particular person writing about this says that Noah wrote out his flood in an ark. Winnie the Pooh at least had an upside-down umbrella. But fire ants, our friends, yep, Solenopsis Invicta, make floating rafts. Now, you combine that with the University of Pittsburgh's research that they've just been doing on insect-inspired robots that can go just about anywhere. They can get into places that are smaller than you or I could get into or than most other things can get into. There are not very many spaces that are off-limits to an insect, and that's why they're working on the robots for that. You put the robots that can get into difficult places together with the robots that can form floating mounds, and you are talking about the end of life as we know it. They will, they will be, in fact, taking over more stuff. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that, you understand. You know, you know me. I'm still waiting for the robot to come clean up my house, bathe my dog, and iron my laundry. But... I don't think these are going to be the ones to do that. The interplay of molecular order and geometry really gave them the opportunity to figure out how to get the robot into the tight space or the tighter space than they had gotten into before. And, of course, it's lightweight structure. It's the versatility of the arms and appendages and whatnot of the robots. By the way, they're cricket-sized. They're not teeny-tiny, but they're, they're small. Um, I love this. They'll, they'll be able to get uh, across moving surfaces like sand more quickly. And even across some kinds of moving water, not because they said so, but because I said so, because they're going to be able to form rafts. Come on now. That's the future of robotics. If you're not into it, I can understand that. You know, um, I can understand that. Oh, yeah, Ken, I think apple cider vinegar is a good idea on your part for things. But why would we want fire ants to survive? Well, I don't want to get too mom on you, but I will there's a place on this planet for everything that's on this planet. Okay? It's not that we want a whole lot of them. We certainly wish that they had not come to the northern part of America from Mobile through the through the harbor there, through, you know, being transported in. It's kind of like the big old spiders that are now beginning to take over England. They're not dangerous, but they came in on banana boats probably 150 years ago or something. I don't even know how long ago. But there's so many things that we do in and unintentionally, but we have to understand that we need everything to survive. What we needed was for the fire ants to bring some of the things with them when they came here that pre predate on them, some of their predators. But we didn't, and that's why we have such a problem now. But there is a place for all of it. Um, and in fact, one of the things that's so exciting about research, to my mind, is that there's always something else that you haven't thought of to study. There's always something else to go out and pick apart and figure out. 
Um, was talking to a friend the other day about the difference in the soils in his neighborhood than mine. Both of us live in, in the capital city. But the difference is the difference. And he doesn't need a pig axe, a, a pick axe. I'm sorry, it's not a pig axe. It's a pick axe. But I do in cases and in fact have used one so it's a lot of things to consider it's a, a lot of things to consider and in, in why do we want them to keep on uh rolling okay i'll go there rolling rolling on the river yes right that's right the fire ants are out there <laughs> no doubt all right one more thing you need to know today to hold into your heart come to buds and blooms this afternoon by all means, get in touch with me, Mama on Air at yahoo.com. Find out more about me if you don't know about me at linktr.ee slash gardenmama. That's linktree.slash gardenmama. Lots of me there. And you need to know this we can now tell what the pigs mean when they're oinking. That's right. When I was a little girl, I raised a, a, a flock of pigs. I got to raise a, a little bit, of, a few of them, and I could tell you what they wanted because what they wanted was what I had in my hand. But now we've got much more research about it. An international team has got them translated. I am telling you, it's not all Babe. It's not all Charlotte's Web, but the pigs have got it. They know what to tell you, and frankly, they'll tell you everything. They'll tell you. Come back next week for more Weekend Gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth Communication. Take a road trip down to the coast for CPR Fest 20. Outside on the grounds of the Mississippi Coast Coliseum, Saturday, April 2nd. Starring Mississippi's own Three Doors Down, live. Three Doors Down with Seether. Plus Bad Flower. Society and special guest Giovanni and the Hired Guns. And check out the best local music in the state on the CPR Fest homegrown stage. A very limited number of reserved seats are on sale now. General admission tickets just $35 plus Ticketmaster fees. Don't wait. Get yours now at Ticketmaster.com. It's the biggest rock show of the year. Saturday, April 2nd, outside of the Mississippi Coast Coliseum in Biloxi. Since 1871, Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile in downtown Bolton has been providing everything you need. Everything for your house, fencing, plumbing, flowers, lumber. Everything for your animals, dogs, cats, birds, chickens, cows, horses, and everything for your patio and yard. Bayou Classic Cookers, Wind Chimes, Orca and Pelican Coolers, we have most everything. 150 years of serving the community, family owned and operated, Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile, downtown Bolton since 1871. We'll see you soon.
At Fillmore Buick GMC, we strive to make buying your next vehicle easy and take care of you long after you drive off the lot. That means upfront and honest pricing, doing everything we can to make the time you spend in the dealership as short or as long as you need. It means we understand that purchasing a vehicle is more than just a transaction for you. We want you to enjoy the experience as much as we appreciate your business. Find your next Buick GMC or pre-owned vehicle at FillmoreBuickGMC.com. Fillmore Buick GMC. You drive everything we Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.